You're listening to Finn Too Deep. Tua back to throw. Blitz coming. They get to him. No, he takes off running. And he's he in. It. Touchdown Miami. With the sixth pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Miami Dolphins select Jalen Waddle. Giving you unfiltered, informed, and controversial takes on the Miami Dolphins and the NFL Draft. Here's Reason and Neil. Welcome every, back, everyone. It's time for another episode of Fin Too Deep with your host, myself, Reason, and my partner in crime, Neil Driscoll. You can follow both of us on Twitter. You can follow Neil at Neil Driscoll. You can follow myself at the underscore real underscore reason. And Neil, we are recording this as usual on a Wednesday night. And it feels good because we've already enjoyed Victory Monday. We're now starting to transition in the middle of the week into the next matchup after coming off the victory this past Sunday. Um, how are you How are you feeling 1-0 atop of the AFC East? And it's now the Bills' turn to try and come into our house and take that division from us. Feeling, feeling good. You know, 1-0, walking out of Foxborough with a win is always good. Maybe we didn't get the style points we were all hoping for. Um, and, and before we kind of dive into that, let's wish our man, the legend, the GOAT, Dan Marino, a happy 60th birthday today. Uh, kind of amazing that, you know, he's turning 60. I just, w- when we talk about the Bills-Dolphins game coming up, you know, I have, Kelly. yeah, Jim Kelly, Dan Marino, Thurman, Tom, you know, you think about all that and there's so much. So obviously always any any time you know it, it's Dan Reno's birthday I, I in my opinion if i wrote those calendars that'd be a national holiday we all should have been off work today i mean you know when when Dan's turning 60 that's you know there's a good time going on somewhere in Miami right now let's just put it that way but no feeling good got a w you know look it's not easy to go into new england bill belichick had a whole off season to plan I, you know, we all want to put up 50 points every game and see Tua throw five touchdowns. And, you know, we live in a world where we all play Madden and we can do that with Tua. But in reality, the other team tries to. You walk out with a win. Your best player made a huge play after you played him down the stretch to help you win that game. You know, I mean, look, at this time last year, we were 0-1. And feeling and being 1-0 feels a lot better for sure. And this time last year when we went 0-1, you know, let's get into Tua's performance because people forget, you know, Tua, um, he finished 16-27 for 202 yards, two touchdowns. One of those was a rushing touchdown and a one-passing touchdown. He threw an interception. Um, You know, last year, week one, against a lessened, in terms of talent, um, a less talented defense for the New England Patriots. You know, Fitzpatrick put up 191 yards, one touchdown, and three interceptions. You know, and then when you compare Tua to other the big to some of the big guns out there, like I know you saw me put the graphic up this week. You know, Lamar Jackson last year was 24 of 34 for 249 yards, two touchdowns, and interception. Herbert was 26 of 53 for 209, two interceptions. Kyler Murray, who had a big Sunday. Was fun to watch. 
um, this past week one was 23 34 for 170 yards and an interception. Josh Allen, 11 of 18, 154 yards and an interception. Patrick Mahomes, 19 of 29, 236 and two touchdowns. And Tua again, 16 of 27, 202 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, um, one passing, one rushing touchdown. Like, you know, people really don't put into perspective how hard it is for quarterbacks to win in Foxborough. I mean, he is now the youngest quarterback to ever have consecutive wins against Bill Belichick. He's the youngest quarterback to win in Gillette Stadium under the Bill Belichick era. Like, you know, he gets it done. He does just enough. Yes, there there was some help clearly from Xavier Howard in the defense, but, it was, you know, if it wasn't for those two fumbles, there wasn't much to write home about how the defense played. And I get the game plan was to keep everything in front of them, but that, we'll get into that in a bit. Um, but Tua, you know, he, it was clear he was pushing the ball much farther than he did last year. You know what I mean? Um, his average depth of target was 9.3. His yards per attempt was 7.5. You know, the only quarterbacks that could beat him in both those statistics, analytics, whatever you want to call them last weekend, were Baker Mayfield, Russell Wilson, and Patrick Mahomes. Um, it was clear he was pushing the ball down the field. I mean, you look at his aggressive rate. Um, he had aggressive throw rate, which means there's a yard or less of separation between the defender and the receiver of 25.9%. Mac Jones, for example, is at 10.3%. You know, Tua Tungvaloa, he averaged 5.3 completed air yards. Um, Mac Jones completed 5.4 completed air yards. And intended air yards, though, is what, that really what tells you what's going on because Tua averaged about 9.4 in intended air yards, and Mac only averaged about 6.3. Um, you look at them, they both had about two and a half seconds in time to throw. Um, everyone wanted to talk about Mac Jones this, Mac Jones that, but to me, Tua. Yes, there are plenty of times. There's a few. I broke down the All-22 on my channel up inside the NFL. There were a few times where Gusecki was screaming open and he could have made a play. But Tua, for the most part, was pushing the ball down the field. You know, people don't realize the context of how the game unfolded in terms of on first downs is when we would tend to give up our best and our, sorry, our worst effort and our piss-poor effort with run blocking, and they would be in the backfield right away. The pass blocking at times was very, very suspect, even if it didn't show up on um, PFF. It's And those are the guys who they release their grades based off broadcast footage, whereas if you watch the All-22, there was just inopportune times for the line to break down up the middle, for Jesse Davis to have a bad rep. Tua was, you know, he was getting stuff out much earlier than you would want any quarterback, let alone a guy you're trying to get comfortable in the game. Um, I, I just, when you actually sit back and watch the All-22, it is not the apocalypse. Tua did not actually have that bad of a game. He actually, like I, I told Neil before we went live, I give him a C plus. You know what I mean? I don't think it was a piss-poor performance. Like, 
my, my red flags. I'm not worried. I'm not panicking. It's also his 10th start of his career. And the fact that he's beat Bill Belichick twice in 10 starts is mind boggling. But when I look at what Tua did, you know what I mean? Okay. The waddle drop on the out route. Um, Devontae Parker, yes, J.C. Jackson got in there, but it hit Devontae Parker in the hands, dropping on a key third down, and J.C. Jackson made a little bit of a play there on, I believe it was a dig route. Is it a dig route or a crosser? Um, the waddle throw, yes, it was a completion against man, the back shoulder throw, but if he would have put it over the outside shoulder towards the sideline and let waddle run under it, it's for six yards. Great throw to Wilson in the end zone. Jalen Mills made a pass breakup, a beautiful play, right? But if you would have thrown that outside shoulder towards the pylon, let Wilson fall under it, that's a that's six. If one of those two plays or both those plays happen, we're not even having this. We don't even have to have this conversation, but Neil, we do. You know, am I correct? Is it, it should these Dolphin fans take their thumbs, their hands, their palms, whatever? whatever they're using to smash the panic button, should they be taking it off? Yeah. And let's your C plus. I think I said I had a B minus on them, but so, you know, we're right in the same range and, and you know, I, we don't want to blow smoke to the, to the listeners, right? We, we want to be objective and fair. And, you know, I have a high expectation onto a tongue of a Loa, right? I, we've talked about that for a long time. Sure, he's a couple throws away, and you know how about the uh, offsides where they blew the play dead? Uh, that was another opportunity to uh, would have had a chunk play with Waddle, you know, screaming open down the middle of the field. But you know, there's two or three plays, three or four plays maybe that you know it changes yeah. the narrative here. But we got to start seeing him make those plays. But th- there, there's positive and there's negative. The youngest yep. guy to ever win in Foxborough, beating Bill Belichick in his first two starts. Because at the end of the day. You take your fantasy football hat off and you care about W's, right? Like if the dog you know, you know it's crazy, Neil. He actually had a better game in game two against the Patriots than he did in game one. Yeah, and, and here's the thing that really puzzles me. You know, if I'm being honest, right? That first drive was marvelous. The first drive of the second half was marvelous. Everything else wasn't. That what I don't understand, and, and I know they came out scripted, yep. and, and and that makes a big difference. How do they improve when they're not scripted? If we can move the ball like we did on that open and drive, like what a way to start! This but it season. was such a simple recipe. That's what was worrisome to me about the play calling. Was okay. It was a clear, simple recipe. It was the basis of every of the majority of the plays was up tempo and RPO. Then they sprinkled in like a read option on the touchdown pass, or they sprinkled in a power stretch, whatever a zone stretch, or whatever they, they sprinkled in. But the basis was sprinkle in things around RPO and up tempo. I mean. What was it? It was either the first or second scripted drive. So it was either the first drive up for us in the first half or the first drive in the second half. We even caught the defenders substituting, and we were already at the line ready to go. Yeah, and one thing, you know, last year the narrative on Tua is he was dinking and dunking, and this year he's coming out firing deep. What we really need to do is have the balance, right? And, like, Jalen Waddle, right, amazing, electric player, great D-threat. But let's not sell him short. That dude is one bad mf'er, right? 
You can throw him a five-yard slant. He'll make people miss. He'll break tackles. You know, we we got to take what the defense has given to us as well. And I think there was definitely a lot of opportunity to get, you know, more yards, bigger plays, and, you know, just have a more efficient football game. With that said, I think if you take the body of work that we saw from week one, Tua looked a lot healthier to me. He looked like he had a better understanding of the game, and he looked like he was more decisive with the football. Now he just needs to bring everything and put it together. And you know what? We just talked about this before we came live on air. Buffalo Bills coming into town week two. We're 1-0. There's no better way to start this season than beating your two biggest division rivals and leaving up two games in the division. And I really, truly believe that this is – if Tua wants to pick a time to show up and and show out, no better week than this week because I can guarantee you if he plays really well and the Dolphins do get a victory this week, when you pop on all those you know talking head television shows, they're all going to be like, yeah, wow, maybe we had it a little wrong with this guy. But we have to start hitting these plays. It can't be maybe. It can't be close. That doesn't get there. Despite all of that, I'm still optimistic because what I saw was a guy who came out, started the season with an impressive first drive. He's got some good mojo and chemistry already with our number six overall pick. You know, Devontae Parker and him, I mean, those RPO slants are some of the most beautiful things I've seen on the football field in a very long time. And let's not forget a missing link here, right? Will Fuller's coming back. Will Fuller's the best player on this offense, if you ask me. And I think with him and Waddle on the field at the same time, two is going to have the opportunity to make some big plays. And Fuller's going to be deep. Waddle can work that in intermediate game as well. I really expect Tua to take a big leap this week, uh, win or lose. And it's going to be really interesting. But, you know, I, it's going to be all season long reasons. So we got to buckle up. Every game yeah. is going to be, you know, what, how did Tua play? And look, that's fair. That comes with the territory of being the number five overall pick. Um, but, you know, if the guy's getting W's and the guy's getting W's in an environment, he's a winner. Like, yeah. Like, like I don't know what else to say right now. He's seven and three as a starter. Here's my question to you. If the Dolphins won a Super Bowl 17 to 16, I'd still be getting NASCAR drunk till the sun came up. Like they won 35 to nothing. I don't really care. Like, and and I get it. We all want our quarterback to be the top 10 quarterback in football and all that stuff. But if we've learned anything, right? Like it takes all different kinds of quarterbacks in in this league. And like, I saw a guy here because I'm in Baltimore, Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl. Who, you know, he had an amazing postseason run, but, you know, he, he never was a, and I hate this term, and it, it was always the question, he was never elite. That that whole Joe Flacco being elite was 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 Paul Bunyan myth level, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's no chance. So, I, I think Tua has the chance to be a top 10 quarterback in this league. I actually don't think, you know, if you look around the league, like, you know, Aaron Rodgers was horrific. Trevor Lawrence threw three picks this weekend. I, I, I don't get the 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 gang that is out to make Tua look bad. Like it, it, you see, like some of the I, I forget the guy's name, uh, and and I love on Travis on Twitter putting everyone on Cuck Mountain. I, I think it's awesome. But like it, it's just it's gonna get old. It's okay though. We're here. We'll be digging into it all year. 
But look, B minus C plus. That's what to, that's how Tua played. Um, you know, I expect him to get much better as the season moves along. Um, you know, shifting gears a little bit here. What did you think of the um the sticking with the offensive side of the football on Sunday? Um, you know, I guess my takeaways were they didn't stay committed to the run. Gaskin was averaging 5.4 yards a carry, but he only got nine carries. They they weren't as committed to the run as the Patriots were. Um, And the offensive line, Jesse Davis just was not good at times. Ugh. Solomon Kinley had some lapses um, on screens and such like that. Um, Dieter was okay. Um, Eichenberg was actually pretty decent other than when he got tripped up by Solomon Kinley. Um, what did you think? Uh, the, the offense just like, like there was a, there was a, an example of, um, basically, um, Waddle was in the slot. He got inside leverage on a dig route. He got across the middle and Tua wanted to make the throw. And just as he was about to make the throw, the middle of the pocket collapsed. He had to move out. And then, um, by the time he got out, the, um, DB had, is now mirroring Waddle's route. So Waddle tried to turn it into kind of like a whip route and come back towards the middle. Tua tried to make the throw, and then he almost got picked off. Um, you know, but that was just like poor offensive line play led to that, right? Like you look at his sacks, right? Like they they were almost like right off the rip, right? Um, you know, when you look at the offensive line, when you look at the lack of the commitment to the run game, um, kind of some of the same things that killed us at certain times last year, no? Yeah, I, I, first of all, Miles Gaskin's a good football player, and he deserves more touches. And you know, he he he, the, you know, I, Salvin Ahmed's going to knock out his niche on this team. Malcolm Brown's going to be the power guy. You know, when it's third and one, we already saw Jacoby Brissett's going to be that short yardage guy. But but Miles Gaskin's a feature back in this NFL, and, and we keep trying to, to discard that. But I, I don't know what this guy has to do. He he it it, it he has a little bit of a vibe of like an Arian Foster to me. And, uh, you know, I, I really, really like him. And look, you know, he, he's not, he's not going to be a premier running back in this league, but he's not our problem at all. Um, you know, I, I'll save Jalen Waddle for last because I, I got a lot of praise for Jalen Waddle. Uh, I was really surprised by the lack of usage of the tight ends. Um, last year was the most productive. We've seen a group of dolphins tight ends, I think in the history of the franchise, and like Gasecki not having any catches, um, really, really surprised me. Now he was open a lot, um, and, and for some reason Tua wasn't going to him. Um, but you know he's in a contract year, um, and, and he's gonna have to, he's gonna cost a pretty penny. And, and I'm not saying he is or is not part of our long term plans, but to start the season without a catch, that really, really surprised me. Yeah, I know. I wouldn't say he was open a lot because I watched the all 22 yesterday and I broke it down. There was like two or three plays where, okay, I would have made the throw to Gusecki. Other than that, he wasn't, you know, like he had, so he put on, like he put on one of the piss poor, most worst examples I've ever seen of effort in a block. Then he had a block later on, a good block, and I actually gave an applaud while I was live. Um, but, you know, he was rounding out his routes. Like, there was about two or three times that I can remember. I think once on a corner strike, once on a deep out, and I think there was one other time where I would have um, thrown the ball his way, but... 
They took him away for the most part. I will say that they took away that read. They did, and, and you know, and look, you know, to beat Buffalo, we're going to need a nice game out of Mike Gusecki. So again, not going to jump to any huge conclusions at Week One, but you know, a good, great football players don't get shut out, and, and that you know, I'll leave it at that because I'm a Mike Gusecki fan. I know that you've had yeah. your questions, and you know, I you know, Mike Gusecki has proven to be a solid second round pick for this team. I think a lot of us were expecting a huge jump. And look, one week again, you know, we can't, we can't go nuts with it. But um, on the offensive line, like, look, Jesse Davis is a depth player. It, he he has no business being out there starting. And I know that he had a decent run grade score for a pro football focus and all that. My eyes aren't lying to me. The no, guy, the guy's not, not a starting quality player. Yeah. He's a great number six, seven guy that you can have as depth. And I'm okay with that. And, you know, but other than that, you know, we got to move on from that. Even, yo, I got the All-22 up on my channel. Like, I posted just the All-22 for you to go watch, Neil. Go check it out. It's about 14 minutes. They call a screen, and Dieter and Kinley go downfield, and neither one picks up a man at the second level. They're just standing oh. around like, like, I'm like, what is going on with this? Right? It was that one where they, they had um, Wilson motion in the backfield, then loop around back to the left. They faked the screen to him. They faked the bubble screen to him out of the backfield, and then they screened to I think it was Gaskin. It was Gaskin or Ahmed uh, up in the up in the middle out of the backfield. Yeah, and, and look, it's so I, bad. It, it, look, those two guys are huge question marks, and I, you know, we can't kid ourselves. Like that's a big concern that interior offensive line, and you know, we've already talked about last week of some of the good prospects that are coming out in the draft. Uh, you, you mentioned Eichenberg and. Man, I thought he looked pretty good. He looked uh, all right, yeah. And, and I, if he could play at that level on the right side, and we could get Austin Jackson back, like I, whether it's good, bad, or ugly, or pretty, you know how I feel about Austin Jackson. But our best, I think, our best formula is either going to be Eichenberg on the right side. Robert Hunt's been pretty good. Let's um, just let's just come to the conclusion. Here's the fact of the matter. We need to draft more tackles. Oh, it, it, I, I think it's if you look, and at we need to spend capital. And I'm almost getting to the point where I don't know what's going on with this regime and the regimes prior. Greer, if you listen to this, if you happen to fall come by this podcast at three thirty in the morning on one lone weekday eve, um, and, and you listen to this segment, I want you to I want you to listen to me real closely. This offensive line is going to come down on your head, and this is why it's going to come down on your head because this is something that's been going on on regimes prior. The only ones that really kind of were on to something and hold your tomatoes and hold your eggs, Dolphin fans. Don't throw them my way because <laughs> I don't like the guy. I don't like either one of them. But when Tannebaum and Gase were here and they had already signed Brandon Albert, Tunsil fell in their lap, sure, and they said, you know what? Kick him in the guard, him, Pouncey, and Brandon Albert. Think about those three players. If you can have all three players in their prime, and, I mean, Brandon Albert had just come off like multiple Pro Bowls, right? Sure. Those three guys together was arguably the best left side of an offensive line since when? Do we got to go back to Keith Sims, Sims and, and Webb? Webb? Yep. Yeah, I think so. And look – Eichenberg and Robert Hunt are the only two starters that I see on the on the line. And yeah, but the problem is here where I'm going with this, Neil, is 
this thing's been going on for 20 years of not getting it right. And why it's going to come down on Greer is there seems to be some drafting philosophy or something in that organization or in the scouting department that has stuck in regards to the offensive line because the evaluations are just not up to par. And I know we were rumored to be the ones moving up for Worfs, and that's why Tampa had to trade up one with San Fran because they wanted to make it expensive for us because they didn't want to get off Javon Kinlaw. Should have just ponied up. Should have got Tristan Worfs. If you had Tristan Worfs and Robert Hunt on that right side right now, my goodness gracious me. Um, And my my whole thing is here, okay, listen. We're going to need to draft. I'm going to. Okay, bear with me here. We're going to need to either draft a tackle high. And do you trust this regime right now? Because like Gase and Tannebaum, instead of Tunsil, they had Panay Suel fall in their lap. And I know Bosa had six pressures on him. But if you go watch some of his reps against Bosa, Panay Suel was a beast on Sunday, okay? Sure. Now, He's a great football player. He, he fell in their lap. He fell right in their lap, and they could have kicked him at worst. He would have worked out at guard, at left guard next to Jackson like they wanted Eichenberg. Eichenberg just isn't built. He's 302. He's not built to be a guard. 6'5", 302. You're not, he doesn't have the base. He doesn't have the anchor right now, okay? Pinay could have done that. He They fell right in your lap. And, yo, hey, Waddle was my wide receiver one. I was calling him the guy we were going to draft when other people were hung up on Jamar Chase and Devontae Smith, so I don't want to hear none of that. My thing is, you've invested all these resources. You had players like that fall in your lap. You passed on them. If this offensive line ends up costing in this team games and stunting the growth of the running back room, like Miles Gaston, Salvin Ackman, as well as our star quarterback, I'm saying because this seems some draft philosophy that's been around for 20 years or whatever, Greer is the one you can point at and say, You've been around for the last 20 years. Yeah, I, I could fix this offensive line in the next offseason myself. Put me in the GM. You know what I do? You know what I mean? Well, Go ahead. I'll sign Taron Ter- Armstead. Saints can't afford him. They, yeah. they, they can't pay him. He, he'll come in. I know he's 30. Whatever. He's got four or five good years of football. Well, that's what I was going to say. Do you trust these guys to draft? Because okay, here's, the here's the thing. They want to trade three. for Okay, they don't want to. The rumor was of what they're asking for. But three first and two seconds for Deshaun Watson was what the Texans' asking price was. From what I understand, we were nowhere near close to that. That's why sure. no deal came to fruition. But anyways, if you're going to spend two or three first-round picks on a quarterback when quarterback is not the need right now, really, this team is, let's be honest, and Eichenberg has to be included, if you to stabilize the right side a right tackle, a left tackle, and you add a legitimate Mike linebacker, then this team is ready to compete, okay? you. Well, my whole point is, I trust us to draft the linebacker. I don't trust us to draft the tackle the way this organization's been. Instead of using the three first-round picks on trading for Deshaun Watson, go trade out. Like, imagine if we would have traded the... Um, one of our draft picks, one of our high picks for Orlando Brown right now. 
Sure. You could have said to him, here's your left tackle money. That's the reason. We all know you want to go back to left tackle. Here's your left tackle money. I'll make you the top paid tackle. You will stay at the on the right, and you will defend my quarterback's blind side. Do you really think Orlando Brown would have said no? No. No way in hell. It wasn't about moving back to left tackle. It was about the left tackle money, the blind side, whereas he would have been a blind side protector here. My whole point is you can't be – why are we sitting here? You, you traded a third-round pick to move up to number 42 to get Liam Eikenberg. Okay, he hasn't worked at guard, which I could have told you wasn't going to happen, and I did tell you it wasn't going to happen, and it didn't happen. Okay, you now have Jesse Davis as your starting right tackle, and Austin Jackson, who I will say, Eichenberg outplayed when live bullets mattered compared to what Austin Jackson put on tape in the preseason. Absolutely, not even a question. And, and all because he's the 18th pick and you want a politic. That's what you're doing. It's no one wants to put their hand up and admit they were wrong. So now Eichenberg's without a spot potentially this weekend. Honestly, as crazy as it sounds, I would rather Eichenberg stay at left tackle, be our left tackle, and trade for a right tackle. Right, like Mitchell Schwartz was on a podcast two weeks ago and said he's almost at the hundred percent. Listen. Honestly, Jackson and Jesse Davis are a liability. We need to find a way where Eichenberg can be at left tackle and we can trade. You have the quarterback. You have three first-round picks in the next two years. Trade for a right tackle. Yeah, I don't. I, I, I agree with a lot of things you're saying. I just don't think they're going to make that move, to be honest, because I, 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 I think that they they think in their heart of hearts they have to remain committed to their young players. And, and I'm with you because I like I, I'm not when I say that the, I, I think Hunt and Eichenberg are the only two starters out of the five we have on the unit. And, and, you know, I think the approach to take is kind of what Kansas City did, right? Like, you have everything else, and they went out and got Tooney, and then they traded for Orlando Brown. If you go out and sign, like, a Taron Armstead, and then, you know, it's boring, right? But you go take uh, the Iowa center, center Linder, Linderbaum with, yeah. the, with your first-round pick, and you have your line look like this next year, right? Like, from right to left, Eichenberg, Hunt. Linderbaum and at left guard, you know, maybe you keep Solomon Kinley there. Maybe you kick Austin Jackson. I don't know if that experiment would work, but you know, I don't think they're going to cut them out. Right. And then an arm set at left tackle, that unit will be night and day better than what we have. But you know, obviously the offensive line, they, they actually played a little bit better than, than I thought they were going to, but there's definitely going to be, I mean, there's going to be concerns all year and Jesse Davis, I mean, we all we all want to jump and uh, two or through that one pick, and it kind of was like a panic throw. But Jesse Davis, uh, Jesse Davis, I mean, he he looked awful. Matt, Ju was, Matt Judon was a nightmare on Sunday, and that doesn't surprise me because, like you know, a guy like Jesse Davis isn't gonna isn't gonna block a quality guy like Matt Judon. I, Matt Judon is a good football player. I'd love to have that guy on our side, right? And, and Jesse Davis, like you know, like let's not. I'm not crapping on the guy. He's a good football player. He's, well, he's been really fighting well. the injury too, right? Yeah, it's just time to move on from from him as a starter, I believe. But you know, they were adequate. Um, you know, if that's if that's the worst performance we have for them all year, okay, we'll see what happens. But yeah, I mean, the offense, you know, kind of 
kind of fluttered outside those two drives. But going back to Jalen Waddle, I'm so glad that guy is on my team. I I, I think this guy is going to develop into one of the best playmakers in this league. I, 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 you know, I I don't like the Tyreek Hill comparison because I, he's a unicorn Tyreek Hill, what he can do on the football field. Waddle will be a unicorn though. I I think Jalen Waddle is he is just awesome. Like, like his toughness is what I admire most. He's, well, that's what I was going to say to you. You see how Devontae Smith and Jamar Chase just had to run under the football because they're both wide open. Look at how hard Jalen Waddle had to fight for his touchdown. Yeah, and, and you know what I actually really liked the most was that 17-yard catch that he caught on the first drive because he fought for three or four extra yards. He set the tone of who he's going to be as a Miami Dolphin. I, I Like, Jalen Waddle, like, look – I. Obviously, he's our first-round pick. Everyone's going to love him. I, I, I can tell you that he's going to be a star. Uh, he is going to be great. I already see it in him, and you don't see that often. You have that pick, and you you usually have all these question marks, like right, like you you worry when you get a receiver that's undersized and is a speed guy. You know, is he going to be Ted Ginn? And, and you know, we, we can talk it another day. Ted Ginn actually ended up carving out a pretty damn nice career for himself. But be better than Ted Ginn, though. Oh, it's not even a, it, he, what he showed me already in the first week of the season. And you, you know what? It's a small win, but him getting that touchdown when Chase and Devontae Smith did, it told me something about him. He probably, you know, he didn't know, you know, that. But at the end of the day, look, that's the, what the talking heads talk about. But Waddle get in the end zone, like that sets the tone. I'm here too. And, you know, everyone, he was kind of like lost in the shuffle of the receivers. And you're right. You were all over him. You know, in my last mock, that's who I had the Dolphins getting at eight. I had a a weird trade scenario in there. But Jalen Waddle, I'm so excited about this guy's future here. And, you know, the chemistry with him and Tua, you know, they have it. They're going to build on it, and it's going to be fun to watch. But, you know, yeah, offensive line, eh, okay. The tight ends, the usage of it was weird. The usage of the running back, a lot of they of did weird. run a lot of twelve man personnel with the tight ends. It's just a lot like they just didn't utilize. It. Well, I mean, look at you, you know, Gasecki had that big catch um, on the RPO, but Kinley was ineligible downfield because mm. Tua extended the RPO way too long. Yep, you know what I mean. Um, like I agree with you though. Like he didn't really overly target. The tight ends, and there was a lot of twelve man personnel out there too. So, yeah, and let's flip over to the defense side of the ball because I, in, in rewatching the game, the first thing that stood out to me, man, zone, what, zone. You know, you know, you know what, you know what I to quote Deion Sanders: "Pay the man." Emmanuel Agba is, is legit, man. I mean, he drew three or four holding calls that weren't called. He, I mean, he deserves this contract that we're going to have to pay him. And, uh, you know, I, I really, really thought he played a great football game. My second takeaway, Javon Holland is going to be a stud. I, I know he graded out as the highest defensive rookie week one, and that, that that's not why I'm saying that. The instincts that this kid has in his first game as a pro, you know, it, it, it was very exciting to see. Um, I, I'm a big, big believer that this guy could really be one of the biggest steals in this entire draft class. And and that's the good, right? The bad that I saw, well, let's start with who didn't even get to suit up for the game. Noah Igbenogany being inactive. <laughs> that that's awful. I mean, that that to me tells me that the Dolphins don't believe that he's made progress from last year. So where where I was worried about that, 
Brother, now they I... had just cut Jamal Perry and brought him back, and they activated Jamal Perry over him. Yeah, I, I, I think that <laughs> I, I like. I hate to say it, and you know, hopefully he can prove us wrong. But I, you know, na- now we're in a critical situation where this guy seems to be somebody who's not going to be here. You know, maybe even throughout his whole rookie contract. I, you know, I, it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't make it through all his the first four years of his rookie contract. Oh yeah, but you know that that. And I know that, you know, you're one of the, you know, kind of people that are lukewarm on Jerome Baker. I thought that was one of his worst games as a Dolphin. Um, terrible. And yeah, my he, problem is too many people are pointing to the guy made 12 sacks. Well, okay, listen, here's my problem with Jerome Baker. His inability to get off blocks, to, you know, shed defenders, to disengage, um, to fill gaps, his willingness to just, you know, get in there, fill gaps against the run game. Like, if you saw, especially when Raekwon went down, right? Uh, when John Jenkins and everyone, John Jenkins actually had a pretty good game, but what he was doing was he doesn't penetrate like Raekwon does. So he's moving and creating lanes for the linebackers to scrape over and fill up. What's crazy is when Sam Iglevin came in against the run more than Jerome Baker did towards the end, we were better against the run a little bit. Like, like, you know, I did a video last year on Finside the NFL of why Jerome Baker's not a Mike linebacker. That 35-yard run to start against us, oh god! Jerome Baker was the Mike linebacker. His read and recognition skills are poor. Instinctually, he's poor. You know, I've heard for two years, he's good in coverage. He's good in coverage. He got absolutely roasted and rotisseried James by James White. White. Like, sure. I'm not trying to hear this anymore. This guy just got paid this money you remember the backlash i got for what i said about how much money he made right you saw that i know you saw that on twitter okay uh i don't know i don't know why dolphin fans love jerome baker so so much but i guess they've just been so used to mediocrity over the last 21 years that now they fall in love with it but you know when i look at what jerome baker did it was look at what he did last year Last year, it was the same thing. I got into arguments with a bunch of idiots on Twitter, and it was last year where he had, like, remember he had, like, 12 or 14 tackles in the first game last year, too. But, you know, what good are your 12 or 14 tackles when you're, you know, five yards, you know, in front of the line of scrimmage? And they've already gained, and and the the the, the, the offensive player either disengages the block and lets you go so you can make the play, or... Or the, the the guy runs past you and then you just get off the block and then turn around and make the tackle. Like, Jerome Baker is so overrated and I still am baffled as to why McKinney is not a Miami Dolphin because, listen, they stuck to the run and if it wasn't for two fumbles we might be having a different conversation from Damian Harris because other than two fumbles, Damian Harris had a damn fine game against us at a hundred yards on the ground. Um, now my problem with the defense was you okay, you're not paying Byron Jones, even though he came from a place where they ran a lot, but you're not playing Byron Jones 15 million a year to be a predominantly zone corner. You're not paying Xavier Howard the amount of money you're paying him now with the restructured contract to be a predominantly zone corner. Why we were dropping into zone instead of manning up and doing what they did to us with Tua, man up, 
try and generate the pass rush. You know, you we could afford against this guy to put eight in the box if we wanted to, because all he was doing was taking his outlets underneath. And because we were playing that soft off zone coverage, we were we were just giving them the underneath stuff and just saying, okay, we'll field goals to death. Now we talked before we went live about Landon Roberts had the real bad call against him, and I get that, but you know, there's no way Mac Jones should have even put. I, if I was a defender on that team, I would be ashamed of myself that I allowed Mac Jones to score, to throw a touchdown against us because, you know, people want to look at the stats and everyone wants to hate on Tua, but they want to blow up Mac Jones. You know what? Tua averaged a lot more depth than target, more yards per attempt. Like, Tua at least had the balls to push the field, ball down the field. I remember looking at Mac Jones' throw chart against this, Neil. He yeah, was 29 of 39. 26 of those throws came from like nine yards and under in terms of completions. 26 of his 29 completions were under 10 yards. Like, I know everyone who hates on Herbert last year, they say, well, you know, most of the majority of his yards came after the catch, right? Which actually statistically is kind of true. That's kind of where Mac Jones' yards came from, was after the catch. You know, their offense, you know, for for us being sold on the separation, other than Waddle, who I believe he led in separation out of all receivers this past weekend, the separation, other than, you know, what Devontae Parker got his separation on slants, but Gusecki didn't separate very well. Um, you know, there was, just wasn't a lot of great separation. I know Jakeem Grant had two plays where he broke some ankles on some go routes with some stutter steps, but two didn't even look that way. And, I mean, why would you after last no season? No confidence. No confidence. You know what I mean? Yeah, why yeah, would you after sure. last season? But, you know, I look at this, this defense right now, and – um, you know, I, I just, I don't, I understand why you challenge them to basically try and field goal you to death. But when you do that and you let them dink and dunk under you from the 20 to the 20, all it takes is for them to get into the, to that, your 20. And yes, you, you go, our red zone defense was amazing, but all it took as we saw is one penalty. Yeah. And all of a sudden, they put seven on the board. You know what I mean? Like, we're we're a team where, yes, penalties since the Brian Flores era, one noticeable difference compared to the Gates, Philbin, and all those eras is the penalties and the discipline. But when you play that, it's a double-edged sword because you give them from the 20 to 20. But if you make any slight mistake inside that 20 now, there's seven on the board. And with the way our offense was moving, which I don't understand because – we talked about it again before we went live. The recipe was there. RPO, up-tempo, mix in your read options, mix in your whatever you want. They'll sprinkle that, a dash of this, a dash of that. But that was the basis of your offensive recipe for the scripts that worked. Then all of a sudden, got off that script. Like, you know, anyways, but back to the defense for a sec here. You know, I, I get what they did it, but they came very close because of how the offense operated on Sunday, you know, 17 points is going to win you a lot of games. And if it wasn't for a man that they didn't even want to pay until they saw what they had at camp with knowing monogamy and such Xavier Howard recovering a fumble, we might be singing a different tune right now. They played with fire with how they played and they, they, you know, 
one thing is I want to hit you with this, Neil, and I want your thoughts on this. Offensively, I don't think we found our identity yet, right? Why are you going to go out there and game plan when your one known identity is how your defense plays and you didn't play up to that identity? Like, I, I think you could have created a lot more turnovers if we would have played to our identity against. And I'm not take away the zero blitz packages. You don't have to put those in. But, man, my friend, if you would have got up 14 nothing when we got that ball back because it would have scripted a little bit more and you would have put that ball in Mac Jones' hands and you could have played where trying to get your organic pressure and in that heavy-pressed man, you could have forced Mac Jones into some mistakes. But we gave them everything underneath, and it's created nothing. But I know we're selfish. We're fans. But it's even created a headache for us fans because now we got to listen to the media talk about how good Mac Jones was when really all he was doing was hitting the outlet and the checkdowns all day when there was usually one to three of them on each play. We never took Mac Jones and put him in too uncomfortable of a situation, right? No. So so that that's that that's why he was able to be kind of cool, collective, dink and dunk, take what the yeah. defense gave. You know, we didn't get the the big lead that we could have got to force him to have to throw the ball downfield. And, and you know, a lot to unpack with, with what you said for sure. So kind of dig it into a little bit, you know. Go ahead. The floor yeah, is yours, my friend. Yeah, no, Jerome Baker, right? Like obviously he he's a niche player. He he does some things really well. You know, I, I was actually thinking that we might see one of those things where the Dolphins reached back out and re-signed Bernard Bernardrick McKinney because his money wouldn't okay. be guaranteeing because he's a vet. And it, it, and it's really weird to me that he's still out there. Um, uh, you know, that's very puzzling um, to me because he looked really good in the preseason. And and I'm I'm an Landon Roberts fan. I, I think what you you gotta you gotta thrive and enjoy what he brings to the table. But you know, I, I think you need a little bit more than him at that position. So you know, Jerome Baker's gonna have a chance to earn his money. You know, if he, if they set him up to kind of be the guy who's spying on Josh Allen this week. But yeah, so you know, we'll we'll see that how that goes. Raekwon Davis injury scares me. I I, I think Raekwon yeah. Davis is on the verge of breaking out, and and I know we don't. Flores is really tight to the vest on, on what happens there. Um, but I hope that you know we get to see him in a couple weeks because I, I truly believe he's going to be one of our y- young best defensive player in the future. With that said. I do think John Jenkins is a more than adequate backup, and, and it actually makes the Adam Butler signing look pretty genius too. Uh, I, I think we'll have a step down in play, but it, it's not going to be an. They don't get the here. pass rush. They don't generate the pass rush that Braquan does, right? Yeah, they won't do that. And, and you know, Byron Jones is a really, really good football player. And, and you know, as a number two cornerback in football, he he's got to be in the top three to five, right? But I, I'll say this because I posed this on Twitter. You know, for me, for what we pay him, I'm a little underwhelmed. Um, I expected him to have a little bit more tight coverage. And, and I know we played a lot of zone last week. And I actually think the defensive game plan is going to be completely flipped, flip the script this week, where I think we're going to see a lot of man. And I think we're going to see, you know, Jerome Baker being the guy who's kind of keying in on Josh Allen and and we'll see what happens. But yeah, Byron Jones, you know, he's a good football player. You know, I know he got a couple picks last year that erased that narrative that he never got interceptions, but I, I'd like to see a little bit more from him, just to be honest, from what we've seen. And, you know, and, and like, look, he's still one of the top probably, what, five players on this football team. But, I, you know, I, how good is JC Jackson? 
Yeah, he's a he, yeah, he's a good player. I I don't like the comments that he's throwing to it, but look. Oh, I don't like that either. But did you see the confidence Belichick had with him and how much he was traveling against us? Well, like, we got to do that this he, week with X. You know, we got to have X on Diggs because that's why we lost that game last year against the Bills is because we put Noah as a rookie on Stefan Diggs, yeah. and it and it, it you know it looked like me going against a bunch of five year olds. Well, right? Like <laughs> that's not why we lost this is the Week Seventeen game. That's why we lost no. the Week Two game. Week Two game. That's what I'm talking about. Week Two. <laughs> yeah. But I, I I have X locking on Diggs all day long, and I have Byron on Sanders, and you know we 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 have Nick Needham. On Beasley, and I have Baker spying Josh Allen. But overall, the defense, you know, look, you know, they shouldn't have probably gave it that touchdown. They probably wouldn't have if the officiated, you know, the officials didn't give a John Stockton to Mac Jones. But at the end of the day, you know, if we hold teams to 16 points, we're going to hopefully win more than we lose. Um, you know, I, I, I'm encouraged what we saw because I really think Eric Rowe is such an underrated football player. But God, do you not see? This defense's ability to create turnovers, 23 straight games when the next team has eight, right? The way they go for the football, you know, Javon Holland flipping Jonu Smith. And look, Xavier Howard's the best player on this team. And, and I actually think, you know, I thought it was premature when we were saying that he was as good as Sam Madison and Pat Sertain. I think he is better than both of them at he's this point. Yeah, yeah and, and, and he's staying, if he stays healthy and continues this path, the Dolphins would be insane to let this guy go because he is, I mean, look, you know, the the sexy names like Jalen Ramsey and all them, you know, for me, the guys that I like to watch the best are Xavier Howard and Marlon Humphrey. So, you know, those are the two top corners in football for my money. But, you know, I, I they're going to have to earn their money this week for us to win. But again, the, the guy who stood out to me most was Emmanuel Ogba. I, I, I really, really thought he had a great game you know the one thing that has me scratching my head and I hope we see something different this week you know I, I just want them to unleash Jalen Phillips I know the guy has so much potential and I and I, I don't want it to be one of those things where we're trying to take a guy's skill set and not utilize his strengths like we have to use Jalen Phillips opposite of Agba and rush the passer. And Van Ginkle's a good football player. Or line him up next, Ogba. Yeah, you've got to let this guy become the freak that he is, right? You know, listen to what Bill Belichick said about this guy heading into the week one. You know, Bill Belichick only gives praise to certain football players. You know, his admiration to Ed Marine, I mean, Ed Reed, we all saw on NFL Network. You know, he talked to Jalen Phillips. I, I was, like, looking to see if Phillips was going to be coming out with a gold jacket after I heard what Bill Belichick said about him, right? Like, it, it, it was insane, but you know, the defense, I look, it wasn't as pretty as he wanted to, but they did their job on the road holding the Patriots to 16 points, rookie or quarterback or not. Like, you know, I, I think they did, you know, like, because after that first run to Damian Harris, I literally was like, oh, please don't let this happen. And, and it seemed like they actually rebounded pretty great. I mean, what did they average three yards per carry after that 30 yard run? So the defense adjusted and, and did a good job. But like, look, you know, and this is a good. Yeah, because they moved, they moved Baker from uh, Mike to Will, and they said no, not anymore with that. Well, it's a good segue into what 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 are we going to see this Sunday, right? Like, this is, I mean, look, the Dolphins in the last twenty years haven't had a lot of huge games, and this is only week two. But I, for for this franchise, of it already it feels is, like a playoff game. That's what's crazy about it. It, it does, be, and here's why: because. If they go out there and get their the, the, get smashed by Buffalo, the New England win doesn't mean as much, right? Exactly. 
like you need to continue to build. You need to show something. You know, when you when you look at the schedule, we all do this. We pick, we say wins, losses, and we'll get to our predictions in a little bit, right? When you can turn those projected losses into wins, that's what like really good football teams do, right? Like when you're the underdog and you say, you know what? I, I hear all the noise. We see what's on TV. We see what's in the papers. We motivate that. That takes us. This is a huge statement game for the Miami Dolphins. And here's why most importantly to me. If I'm Brian Flores, if I'm those guys that were in that locker room, week 17, we win, we go to the playoffs. The Bills were already in there. Josh Allen had no business playing in that football game. Not only did he play, they played him a long time. They ran up the score. Yeah. They, they made the Dolphins look foolish. They took yeah. one of the best stories in the NFL, and they got to the final chapter, and they said, this one's not ending happily ever after. That team, this week in that locker room, should be looking each other in the eyes and saying, you know what? This is war. We are coming out, and this isn't going to be the same soft Miami Dolphins that we have seen for the last 20 years. If I'm Brian Flores... I'm looking at Sean McDermott and being, bro, you threw the haymaker last year. But you know what? I punch back, and I am going to come up with some exotic blitzes. I am going to light Josh Allen up. I don't even care if we get a 15-yard penalty early in this game. Set the tone. This mm -hmm. is the team you need to beat. I predicted the Bills to be in the Super Bowl and lose to the Buccaneers. I think they're one of the best teams in football, and they're going to have a chip on their shoulder because – Pittsburgh made them look really bad. Four, six, bare front majority. That's where I was going to add to the whole situation is you got basically the battle of two teams with chips on their shoulder. But this is why I think two is, for example, going to have a bounce back uh, week. You know, I think they're going to be the, they're a predominantly zone team. This isn't going to be a you know, and they got you know AJ Epinesa, they got Gregor Russo. Um, we saw Solomon McKinley dominate at Oliver last year, so I'm not worried. They they got Boogie Basham. Um, Good you know, obviously, though. obviously they Edmonds got Tremaine and Edmonds and Milano. Yep. yep. But but you know, um, other than Tredavious White, you know, and Poyer, the safety. What what really worries you there? Like, I think this is a team where. I want to see two of this week slice and dice this team if they're going to sit in zone against us. Whether it's Fuller or Waddle, whoever is lined up against Levi Wallace should tear him Need up. Him. Yeah. Should tear him up. Tredavis White's a good football player, right? Stay away from him, though. You got the slot and you got the other side, bro. Well, that's that's the thing because we, we get into the, the Waddles and the Fullers, right? And then you also got this guy, Devontae Parker, who looked pretty damn good last week. He, you know, he always has those battles of consistency, but like he's one of the best jump ball receivers in this league. And right? Preston, Preston was questionable today; he wasn't even limited, so he might even be. And, and honestly, so when you talk, keep when we keep going through this route, like the Bills' weakest position, right? And, and a guy that I respect, who's in the draft community, Joe Marino is a big Bills fan, and he holds no punches about it. You know, the secondary depth is what worries him, right? They have great safeties; they have great safeties. Yeah. But their cornerback from number two, three, four down is suspect, right? So that that's where I think we can win. Now, look, when I see the same movie over and over again, you know, I know how it goes. You now, just have to win up front, though, to be able to win at that next – got to win at the first level to win at the second and the third. You know what I mean? 
Well, you know, Stephen Ross owns the Dolphins, and then Josh Allen owns the Dolphins, right? And, you know, I can't tell you how much that pisses me off, but there's I, I don't know if there's a quarterback in the league that has more success well, I, against I, another I po- team. I pose this question, Neil, I'll ask it to you. Pose it on Finside the NFL, I'll ask it to you. We all can agree Brian Flores is such, uh, you know, a defensive genius, right? Yet for such a defensive genius, why can't he figure out Josh Allen? Yeah, and, and it's a fair, fair point. Now, here, here, I'll, I'll play devil's advocate to that. Just, just kind of saying, week two last year, right? Obviously, Byron Jones Byron goes down. Jones down. You throw, yeah. you throw. Yeah, I mean the Dolphin. I mean, look, Kyle Noah Vandoy, got lit the up. biggest offseason acquisition. All you know, I think he might have. You know, if you look at it on defense side of the ball, has a pick in his hands and drops it. Can't make the play. I mean, whatever. You know, I, and he I'm got stiff armed. But Josh Allen has a lot of success against Miami. And, you know, that that concerns me. That concerns me. And, you know, Pittsburgh has a really, really good defense. And they made Josh Allen look like the Josh Allen that we saw before his MVP-type season last year. Um, Brian Flores needs to show that he can do that. I mean, you know, we need to see Josh Allen ain't going anywhere for a really long time, right? Look at the contract he just signed. We can't continue to get our asses kicked by Josh Allen. Right, well, even, it got so bad by the end of the season. Even Matt Barkley came in for half and put 20 points up on us. Yeah, and, and that's exactly what I was kind of saying to kick off this segment. Like, if you're not in that locker room and you're not pissed off, yep. something is wrong. And, and honestly, though, here's the good thing, Reason. I think this team has that fight. There's something about this Dolphins team that I feel right now that I haven't felt. There's a um, you know a continuity between them. He says that as he prepares everyone for his prediction where they lose. Well, yeah, and look, I'll, I'll jump into it. Look, I, I think the Bills are going to win the game thirty to twenty three, and I know that's not going to make a lot of people happy. And you know, I you know, obviously, we all hope that I'm wrong. Uh, you know, Mike, I'm not going to get on this on this podcast every week and pick an undefeated Dolphins football team, you know, because then then I'd just be lying and humoring you all, right? Like that, my job is to de- develop what I really think is, you know, the right score here. And, and I think the Bills are going to win this game. And, you know, it's a long football season, and we're going to get another, another crack at them. You know, to play devil's advocate to my own prediction here, it's the home opener for the Dolphins. You know, Tua's home. He's the quarterback. Whether whether the media loves Tua or not, I'll tell you one thing that is for damn sure, the fans do. And he's going to have a lot of support there. And he's getting Will Fuller back. And he's healthy, right? He practiced full today. He's got Jalen Waddle. They, they have the Dolphins team this year is night and day better on paper than last year's team, right? Noah Igbenogany, the guy who gave up 200-plus yards to Stephon Diggs, isn't even one of our top five quarterbacks. Yeah, right? he's, not even, he's not even active, so you can't burn us now, can you? He, he can't. And honestly, you know, Bobby McCain's been was a good fo- football player, and the last thing you're going to hear is me crucify him on this. There's no Javon Holland though. Javon Holland's better than him. And, and honestly, we haven't even said this guy's name on this show yet. But Jason McCourty was borderline brilliant last week, and I, you know, he's another like. We are loaded at cornerback. Justin Coleman only played two snaps last week. That 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 yeah, and, he's, and he's a good damn footballer. Nick Needham. I mean, we are so loaded at corner. But like, you know what? Let, let's call a spade a spade. Nick Needham was one of the worst players on the field against Buffalo last year, right? So there's a lot of people. Yeah, but what's crazy? Hold on, let's add some context to that. In the last game, 
the last game. Right, but just- for the for the majority of last season, this is a guy who, in his rookie season, he became our number one corner, took that responsibility, and other than that boneheaded flag against the Jets that cost us the game, um, he had a pretty good rookie season. Then last year they shipped him to the slot, which is a huge ask. He plays great all season and then puts in his worst performance against Isaiah McKenzie. Oh, I'm not let I'm not letting Nick Needham leave this football team. Nick Needham Oh, he had an amazing offseason. Guess what? Bigger priority than Noah Ignogany. Uh, I, I think Nick Needham has to get an extension, right? Like or, oh, yeah. I, 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 how do you let a guy it, you, you can't let a guy who's developed in your system and, and showed you the type of progress. So yeah, so I oh, look Nick Needham. I'm a Nick Needham fan. Sign me up. Um yeah. it, it's a big game. I, you know, look. I have Buffalo in the Super Bowl. Um, I think they're a great football team. I think Sean McDermott's a, a top three coach in the league. Um, you know, the one thing that I'll say is that they don't have dynamic running backs, so that's yeah. that's cool. And Moss wasn't even active this last weekend. They just went Breda and uh, Devin Singletary. Yeah, and honestly, it's funny you mentioned Matt Breda. I have a vision for some reason that that guy's going to end up making a big play against us. I, oh, I just why do you got to say it? <laughs> no, I know. I'm not going to lie to you, brother. But like at the end of the, the day, last I mean, thing so- we want is them to have a running game. Well, what what do you think? Uh, you know, I, I I'm at thirty twenty three Buffalo. Where are you at the game? I took at thirty. I took thirty one twenty seven for the Buffalo Bills. Okay, so we're we're kind of we're not too far off. And like, yeah, look, I don't think um, either of us are wrong. And like you know. To be fans of a football team is one thing, but to lie to yourself and everyone else isn't good. Like, right? Like, let's. I hope that we get on this podcast last next week. I I pray I'm wrong. Yeah, let's be two and zero, oh, and we'll tell everyone how we'll start the show next week, telling everyone how big of idiots we are and how happy we are. I can hear the crow as we eat it. Well, and here's the best thing that I can tell everyone who's listening: I'm wrong a lot. <laughs> so, like, like you know that that you know I'm not Nostradamus. I don't Trust like me, being if I, wrong. If I if I was right. I wouldn't work. I'd be gay. I don't like being wrong, but I'll happy to be, but I'll be happy to be wrong this time. But you know how fun? Like I, I'll be honest. So we're here at Wednesday. We have football tomorrow. You know Washington and the Giants, which is you know cool, whatever. Like, but yeah. starting Friday, I'm gonna get those butterflies. I, I got to coach soccer on Saturday. I got a family wedding on Saturday night, and I'm gonna be sitting there, and you know, I, I'm just gonna be so distracted because you know come. I won't. I don't sleep the night before Dolphin games. I get too anxious. I get too fired up. You know, when it's eleven o'clock in the morning, I I'm at like twenty five thousand steps, pacing around my house, waiting for you know the Dolphins. I, I can't even watch pregame shows. So you know, like it's been a, a long time, right? I think we could say as Dolphins fans that you even get excited for a week two game because your team's headed in the right direction, and the Dolphins are one of those fun. They're they're a fun team like i don't know about you but like i have friends that are texting me like you know that are local here and that are ravens fans like man that's it's cool to see the dolphins they're fun they got good young players jalen waddles a beast i really hope to Tua proves those idiots like skip uh skip uh what's his name skip bayless wrong and all that like it, the dolphins are a fun football team to cheer for they're a fun team to root for and you know look go dolphins beat the bills Let's be two and zero, and let's prove everyone wrong. And we you know we'll be back next week to break down that game, preview the week three game. But you know, uh, look, let, let let's kind of summarize everything we've talked about. We're one and zero. We went into Foxborough. We beat the greatest coach maybe in NFL history besides Don Shula, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, I'll take that all day long. We have a huge matchup coming up against Buffalo. 
Um, we have the most salary cap space in football, it looks like, coming in the next season. Like, we have a ton of draft capital coming up. The window for this future is really bright. Has to figure out the offensive line. Mm -hmm. And the linebacking core right now. Tua has to continue to get better and show he's the man. But you know what? Yeah, he has to continue showing that he's the man because, you know, if you were to give him, say, three seconds, 3.1 seconds, like so many of these other quarterbacks out here um, are getting, I truly think he can dice um, a whole lot of NFL teams, and I think he can take that next step. Um, I, You know, even before we drafted to a, I, I was on multiple platforms always telling people build the wall in front of Tua. Don't let, you know, you know, if you're going to draft Tua, if you're going to draft Burrow, or if you're going to draft whoever, I always said, build the wall. Look at what the Raiders did for Derek Carr and Josh Jacobs before they tore it apart this off season. But look at that line in the heyday. Look at what, been built in Indianapolis. Like when you go look at all these offensive lines, they are the key to a young quarterback's development. And your quarterback and your running game will only go as far, and the offense in totality will only go as far as the offensive line will allow it to. That's why they say games are won and lost in the trenches. Have you started to put together any draft board for 2022 yet? Not yet, no. So I, I started over the weekend and I have my top 10. And, you know, obviously, you know, I have two guys as 1A and 1B right now. And one is Kyle Hamilton, Notre Dame safety. I I think he's one of the best overall safety prospects we've seen in a long time. Game changer. I think he's one of the, I think, yeah, I think he's arguably the best player in this draft for sure. Yeah. And then my my 1B is a guy that I know you love. And and it's unfortunate that I have him this high because that means the Dolphins are probably going to have no shot at him. But Evan Neal from Alabama. Uh, I, I, that tape that he's put on. You want to hear a win for me? You want to hear a win for me? If they could get Evan Neal in the first, and you might know who this gentleman is. I've been in love with this kid for multiple years. If you can get Abraham Lucas in the oh, second. Washington State, of course. Yes, sir. And you can get that right tackle. You can get that left tackle. Now, I loved him last year. I've been watching him for two years now. Because I I love Tyler Johnson coming out, and then I love Rashad Bateman. Daniel Fallel is another option too. Minnesota, but, yep. Yeah, but his market is going real, real high all of a sudden. Big, big dude, big dude. Yeah, <laughs> last year his market was not, you know, he wasn't projected the way he is now. But you know, he's come onto a lot of people's maps. But I've always really liked Abraham Lucas. I get a lot of, um, you know, I, I just get a, 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 there's a lot of things on tape. If you could get Evan Neal and you could get Abraham Lucas, I mean, you know what? What, like, I mean, really, what are we going to do? Uh, you know, you know what the one thing, I like the draft class, but you know what the one thing I noticed about the draft class? Very similar to this year. You know, there's not a lot of those big bodied six four six five guys. I, I, especially honestly, at the top, right? Yeah, I like Evan Neal. Like I know Jackson Kirkland from Washington's getting a lot of love. I, I gotta see a little Are bit more. Are you talking more. about tackles? Yeah, you're yeah, talking yeah. About yeah. Yeah, I gotta see a little bit more from the kid from UCLA is getting a little love. There's the guy uh Rashid Walker from Penn State. Penn State yeah. You know, there, there's some good guys. Abraham Lucas Lucas is a plug and play kind of guy to me. He has that aura of a guy you get in round. I think two. he'll be in the I think he'll be in the round. Two. And you know who's a running back I really like? 
coming out. I thought he was going to come out this year. And we're just talking like I can't believe I'm talking 2022 NFL draft sleepers in September. Max Max Borgie. Oh yeah, Washington State, right? Love that kid too, man. You know what? I get honestly, and I hate comps. I legit get McCaffrey vibes from Borgie. Yeah, no, I I can see that. No, so here here's a guy that I have on my radar because I've been watching the Georgia defense. Right, tons of good players. Yeah. Dolphins have a big need at linebacker. Have you watched Nakobe Dean yet? Yeah, I have. He's pretty good. Yeah, I, I really, really like Nakobe Dean um, a lot. I think he he's a tremendous player. You know, I, like I, I'm not. You know, who I want you want to hear 2023 stuff. Ooh. I love Justin Flo coming out next year, brother. Sure, sure. Yeah, I out mean, like, Oregon. Look, it's never it's never too early to talk NFL draft, man. Like, bro, I want Evan Neal or. Kevon Thibodeau in that first round. God, I if I if we got Evan Neal, I could have a Dolphins jersey with my name on the back, right? There so that's go. that's pretty cool. No, I I unfortunately, man, I I I thought the 49ers, like it's funny when you see like mock drafts out there that have them in the 29, 30th pick range. Cause I, I just don't see that, right? But like I, I would they love see, to see them steam, flop they like the Texans. They steamrolled on Sunday, bro. Yeah, they did. They did. And and like, you know, but their division is so good. I mean, that's I know like, everyone won in that division, I'm pretty sure, on week one, right? Yeah, I mean, like I, I think they're the worst team in that division. I, I really do. And you know, I those are a big loss too. You think we could get a top ten pick out of that? Oh, brother, I'm praying. Even, if they like, were gonna stop Trey if they were gonna start Trey Lance, I think we would have. And it's not an indictment. I think Trey Lance is bad. I actually think him or Justin Fields. No, I think him or Justin Fields in the long run are going to be the best in this class. I think it's because exactly what you said. He's a rookie. But I I just want people to know it's not an indictment. I think very highly of Trey Lance. I've been talking about him for like two years. But, you know, I I, because I'm telling you, man, like, you know, even Miami fans listening, y'all like Zion Nelson out of Miami a little bit too. The tackle class is pretty good this year. Oh, it's deep, too. I mean, there's going to be guys in round two, uh, and we're going on draft crushes. Uh, you know who my number one draft crush is for the Dolphins when I think of a guy we can get in the range that we're going to be picking is Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan. Yeah, I, the, I, the dead player. I, I just player. love if, if you had a yeah. defense that had him, Ogba, and Jalen Phillips, right? Like, I just think that that is just absolutely a nightmare for offenses. You know, I love I love some of the running backs in this. Oh, Spiller's a, a good player. I like Kyron Williams. Hall. Name. Oh, Breeze Hall. You want a I sleeper? Sleeper sincere McCormick. Sure. I mean, there, there's there's some good there's some uh, there's some good backs in. What do you about a, what do you think about your Penn State fan? What do you think about Dotson? Oh, oh, God, yeah. Dotson's a What stud. do you think about the middle linebacker, Brandon Smith? Oh, I, I don't have him in round one yet, but again, like this is real, real early. But I, I'm a big Brandon that, Smith guy. That guy. That guy could fix our problem in the middle is what I'm saying. We, we need we, linebackers and offensive linemen are what I'm going to be scouting most, right? But for some reason, like I just don't see Miami pulling the trigger. Did we offense. finally take a running back this year? Not in round one, I don't. I, I, I really don't. I mean, no, no, no. Like in the first three rounds, you think they'd go running back? Actually, hold on. Scratch that. We don't have our. Th- do we have our? We have. Oh, we have one third round pick. We had two, right? Now we have from the one. 49ers. I think we got the 49ers compensatory pick from, yeah. um, from, um, I, I, who did they hire? Who? No, I, I don't know why they have a compensatory pick, though, that I saw that we. Had when I looked at um what's the uh uh the thing draft uh what's it called that has Tankathon on Tankathon okay, they yeah. had us have in the um a compensatory pick but we do have whatever the 49ers third round pick is we have as part of the trade that we made with them on on no. draft day 
Neil, did you see my boy Sam Howell against Georgia State? I, you know what, I did not, but I, t- I saw you on Twitter talking about his throw. Did you see that throw? Did you? I posted that throw, bro. Oh, I didn't see it. Oh was, my god, was it awesome? Oh, what a what will, an utter! You know what? I love Sam Howell. It's just the team around him is so well, is so bad. They lost a lot. Right? Everything, like, yeah, yeah. They lost a lot. Linemen, their weapon, like literally every big weapon. Well, you know and, what I mean. And, and kind of to wrap up the draft talk, like I, I you know, I, I haven't done a mock draft yet, but I kind of like started shaping up what one would look like and, and looking at positions. I think there's going to be a lot of quarterbacks that go round one, and I know it I know happens it's, every year, but like and everyone's know, crapping on it, but like I could see Strong, Willis, Rattler. Um, Howell. you know, obviously Howell, my boy Howell. You know what I mean? Like, how about I, Desmond Ritter? Like, I, I said no before the season, but like, yeah, he's he got was, like he, end of yeah. the first round Steelers vibes to me a little bit. How about Matt Coral from uh, Mississippi? Matt, Matt, I like Matt Coral from Ole Miss. Yeah, I, I mean, there's gonna like be some Matt guys. That he, go. I think, I think he could go and he could sneak into the first two. Uh, what do you think? Five round one. I think you could actually. I I know it's crazy, but I think you could see another four or five go. And that's you know when you're a fan of a team that you don't think is going to be taking a quarterback, that's beautiful, right? Because that pushes the board down to you in your favor. And like you know, the one thing that I'll never discount the Dolphins is they'll never you know shy away from taking a good corner if they're there. And and one guy that has a awesome upside and skill set, and, and and he he hasn't had a lot of a lot of um playing you know a lot of playing tape that we have out there but Andrew Booth from Clemson's another guy mm-hmm. that I could just really see fit in the Dolphins mold but hey like like let, let's we're gonna talk draft all year as well but I, I think what we're, we're we're really most excited for is this matchup with Buffalo right and getting getting this team a win fins up like let like I, I you know what I what's fun though is when we do get a win, like getting on Twitter and seeing all in Dolphins Twitter, like hi, like high fiving over Twitter, and you know all the good players out there, you know there's too many to name, but like how we all come together when we win, like that's so fun to me, and it, it, it's what you know, and how we've all come together against the like some of the talking heads, and you know I know Pat McAfee got a lot, and I love Pat McAfee, so it's funny, like you know it, it's just really fun when your team wins and you get the text from NFL like is your team undefeated victory Monday. So I hope we all get to experience that again this Sunday. You know, I'll be glued to the TV. You know, you and I will be texting, talking about plays and all that good stuff. But, you know, um, let's soak them in when we get these W's and, you know, let's stay the course. Um, Yeah. We were talking about corners there. Uh, I just wanted to hear what your thought about um, Elam from Florida is. Because I think he's a beast. Oh, a tremendous player. You know, I I think he's probably going to end up winding up being a top 10 pick when all said and done, too. Yeah. I look, it's a fun draft class. I don't think it's as good as last year's draft class overall. But, like, look, there's so much more time and so much. Yeah. Like, there's going to be a quarterback that's in the first round that we haven't even discussed yet. That's just how it happens, you know. Um, and like, look, you know, you talk, you could get into so many things, the Ohio state receivers, that, that tandem is just remarkable, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, they're like Kenyon green. If, if you haven't watched him at Texas A&M, he's awesome. I love yeah. Texas. I love Texas A&M's team. And when they only squeaked out that wind, I was kind of like, I hit up Richmond web and I was like, man, you know, I thought you guys are going to be so much. I was expecting so much more from you guys. Well, why don't but we, they why lost we, their quarterback, right? They lost their quarterback. Uh, did they get hurt? 
I think uh, he got hurt. Yeah. I'm not positive, but what's what's Richmond up to? Maybe we get him to go out and suit up this week against Buffalo. Yeah, I know. Eh? And, and kick some ass, you know? Like we, he, we, he tells me he's like mentally I'm there, physically I'm not there right now. <laughs> yeah, right, dude. I'd hate to piss that guy off still. He'll throw me 15 yards himself, right? <laughs> That's awesome. Um, all right, man. So you got some final thoughts before we get out here? Yeah, like, you know, I really do. I think this is a big game. I think it's a really big game. And I think Brian Flores, I think Tua, I think anyone who was on that team last year, they got to come with an attitude. And, you know, Will Fuller, that was one of our big offseason acquisitions. Obviously, Jalen Waddell. Like, let's let's do it. Like, this is why we brought these guys in, right? You know, we knew we knew the Bills were the class of the division. That's why we went out and got speed. We knew that we had receivers in week 17 that couldn't get open. So went out and got people that could. I need to see it come together. You know, I need to see this offense take that step because, you know, I have faith in the defense. I think the defense will do all right. But and we, you know what I love? The crown where for the AFC East right now, even if it's one game, resides in Miami and Buffalo needs to come get take it from us, brother, not the if, other way around. If we leave this game reason 2-0, Right, the oh, excitement that surrounds put, this football team, it it, it amplifies to a listen, new level. If we win this game and Tua, like Tua bounces back, like we think he's going to bounce back, because I do think what you saw, you know, we went over the numbers of other quarterbacks earlier, but was a product of, you know, that front seven is very talented. Okay, like Calvin Noy is not the player he is in, was in Detroit or Miami when he's in New England. Okay. Dante Hightower is an absolute monster. You know, even Godchaw looked better than what he... His, Josh Uche? Oh, Josh Uche uh, out of Michigan um, last year didn't play much. I love that Winovich. guy coming out. You know, um, they, their front seven is very good. And guess what? J.C. Jackson, the other McCordy brother, um, Kyle, Dug um, Kyle Duggar, Oh, Dogger played a good game. And Jonathan Jones, they're all very good. Like, I'm telling you, like, they are – and even Jalen Mills played arguably one of the better games I've seen him play. All right, this guy on the D-line. Yeah, Dietrich Wise. Like, yeah, they, they got some players. They, they got some they, – we didn't even mention that, Judon and Jamie Bentley. Good Lord, Matt so, the best player on that defense probably. And look at Bentley. Bentley's low-key, a very underrated player. That – that you know, that oh, – listen, we just – People need to realize Tua did what he did against one of the most talented and best coached defenses in the NFL. They looked like a legitimate top five defense. They were locked in, okay? No rest okay. for the wicked, though, because we're doing it again. Top coach, yeah, top but, defense. You know, it's yeah, but, but, but what I'm saying is this isn't going to be man. This is going to be zone. This is going to be a little bit of a breath of fresh air, okay? Like, this defense is not as well coached and is not Absolutely. as talented as what's in New England right now. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know what I mean? So I think if Tua did that, what he did, and got the W against New England, because technically he progressively got better from game one against Belichick to game two, and yet the defense, talent-wise, got progressively harder um, with the signings and the opt-out returns. So, you know, he, he can... There's potential if if he has a big game and a very very like if he puts up a 300 yards and like two or three touchdowns and no picks and we win this game, I'm telling you right now, not only will a lot of these the a hush come over the haters, but 
the AFC is going to have to be put on notice a little bit that, oh, my God, Tua looked a little pedestrian week one, and he was a C-plus, not an A-plus player because of who he was up against, not because of what he's capable of. And this is the week where he can show what he's capable of, in my opinion. When you look around the league, and I'll set the Chiefs aside because I think the Chiefs are, are, you know, what we see with Mahomes, Hill, and Kelsey is special. But you look at Tennessee, right? They took a thump, and Ryan Tannehill's, uh, you know, I I tell people this all the time. I I think Ryan Tannehill is going to come down to earth this year. I think he's played really well there. Um, You know, I, I just see him taking a huge step back at the Titans being beatable, you know, obviously Baltimore losing to the Raiders on Monday night. That that's not, you know, kids, that's not your father's Ravens that are going to go in there and lose a game to the Oak, to the Las Vegas Raiders, you know, Baltimore, they have a ton of injuries. Uh, their offensive line was abysmal. Even Ronnie Stanley got worked on Monday. So, you know, the jury's out on Baltimore. You know, Steelers' defense is is great. You know, maybe one of the best units in the league. I, do you have faith in a 17-game season that Ben Roethlisberger is going to be standing at the end of that season? You know, these are yeah. questions. The Browns is everyone's NFL darling. They had a game where they had the Chiefs on the ropes, and they let them off the hook. Uh, you know, I, like I think they are a much improved team. But I'm not buying into the Browns hype until I see it come to fruition, right? And so, you know, we're looking around the league. You know, that I took Buffalo because I just think Buffalo is the team that matches up with Kansas City really, really well. If the Dolphins, you know, and I'm not jumping to any massive conclusion, even if the Dolphins do start in 2-0, I would say this. If the Dolphins do jump to 2-0, though, you, you have to put them in the top five teams in the AFC if they prove that they can go on the road in Foxborough and beat New England, they can get a home win against the team that knocked them out of playoff contention last year who, you know, like, look, there's a lot of people that are, you know, sky high on Buffalo. So at the end of the day, like this is a chance to make a statement. We've seen the Dolphins have this opportunity many times over the last five years, and they've never delivered. Will they deliver this week in their home opener, one o'clock kickoff against their division rival? Like that—that's that's storytelling at its finest. All right, man. So we'll be back next week. Hopefully, we'll be celebrating another victory. Until next time, we will see you guys back here, and all together, me and re me and Neil will take you guys fin too deep. Have a good week, everyone, and fins up.